0: Let's go to Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. Joshua 24, verse 15. I'm going to read from the New King James Version, but I might uh, use other versions when I'm highlighting a specific truth. So my theme is going to be today in the title, Who and What Will You Choose? Who and what will you choose? Joshua twenty-four, fifteen. When you have it, say amen. 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 Praise God. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Praise God. Father, thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, we need you. We pray that you open up the eyes of our understanding, that we might be able to capture in our hearts, in our minds, in our spirit, man, your principles. Lord, for prosperity in this season, prosperity of ministry, prosperity in that which you're calling us to do, prosperity in working together and loving each other, in serving together, prosperity in discipling others and being models of your love and mentors to those, oh God, that you would connect us with, prosperous in your call, prosperous in the call of God in our lives, my Father, individually, as families that attend this church, and as a church family. We'll give you the praise for it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. You may be seated in God's presence. Joshua told the people in that day, decide this day who you will serve. We need to make a decision too. But it's not just make a decision now. We have to make a decision every day whom we're going to serve. Because every time we get out there, we interface with the world, we constantly have things bombarding us. I, for one... I use AOL only because AOL, I've been with AOL for, I don't know, maybe 15, 20 years. Have you noticed lately that it's hard to get, your, get to your email? Because when you first get on AOL, it takes you through um, a canvas of videos. And they all have very interesting and enticing titles. And they don't, they don't give you the full title. Wow, look what happened to... So it leaves you what? What? You click on. When you click on, it takes you to a sea of videos and a a sea of different uh, articles. And by the time you finish, it's half an hour later and you haven't gotten to your emails. And all of them are geared to get their agenda to you and to sell you something or present you something. And they do so in a masterful way because they are masters of the mind. You know, Madison Avenue knows how you think. And they literally... Uh, mentally abuse you, in a sense, because they come at you and they almost hypnotize you to get into their stuff, get away from your stuff, which, by the way, you have to do. You have to work. You have to provide for your family. You have certain things you have to do in your life. You end up not doing them because you get caught up in a morays or or morass of things that have nothing to do with your life, nothing to do with what's important to you. So we have to be very careful, and every day we have to decide, this is what I'm going to do. These are the things that uh, God placed in my heart to do this day. You have to make your list. You have to be focused this year. That's another word for this year, focus. Because the enemy tries to take your focus away, and if you're unfocused, you don't do anything. Your, Your life energy is wasted. It's expended on nothing. See, So we have to decide every day. We need to make a decision every day to put God first in our lives. And when I define what a first fruits offering is, or first fruits attitude or mindset, the first fruit offering was always required by God out of the first part of what the people produced. It was not an afterthought. It was to be brought to God as an act of worship. It was also a time of rejoicing and remembering the goodness of God. This offering indicated that his people recognized that God was their creator, And their provider. God was and is and always will be a God of covenant. So when he gives of himself, he gives the best. There are Old Testament studies that shows when two tribes came together, they would sacrifice on behalf of each other. And they would come together and make promises together. And those promises became the law of their combined lands. If anybody broke the law, they would die. And they, 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 these people are into serious covenant. Today we shake hands and tomorrow we're separated. Today we marry and for any little flibbity jibbit fly by night situation, we already want a divorce. We are looking for ways to break covenant. We make a contract and they already put backdoor ways of getting out of that contract, that loophole. Right now, you know, you just saw that this last year, how they're able to use words, even though their contracts and their laws that you and I would go to jail, but politicians will just by changing a, a word will be able to go scot-free and thumb their freedoms. You know, they are unaccountable today and they can't make a decision. And they're hurting all of us regular people, but they're playing games with laws and nuances of words. It's almost like there's the two different types of laws. We all get one set of rules and regulations and laws. We get one set of health care, they get another. They're exempt of all these things. If you find out a company has something, they're going to come out soon and they're going to, uh, you know, overnight explode and become very, very rich, that company. And you buy stocks because you have some knowledge of what's happening and you make a million on it, you will go to jail. It's called insider trading. But yet the senators know the very same thing, and they can invest, and they are exempt from what you call that thing, uh, insider trading. They won't go to jail. Why do you think that the senators come in poor, and in a couple of years, they have $100 million? What do you think? It's not on on a government salary, excuse me. You understand? So we realize how men and women, you know, they, they, they break covenant quickly. They promise you something, but they don't live it. They don't stand together in covenant. So we have to understand that. God is a covenant God. So when we come into covenant with God, he holds us to that level. Now, I, now I don't know about you, but I hold my wife to that level also. I'm in covenant with my wife. We'll be married 40 years this year. 40 years. And I don't see how that's possible because I'm only 35 years old. Uh, right. Yeah, Minister Cynthia, she confirmed that. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but the truth of the matter is we hold ourselves to a high accountability level. You know, she does not, you know, I'll have a meeting. She'll come right into the office. I'll stop the meeting just to address her concern. I remember the other day we had, I was in a serious meeting and, and she FaceTimed me. <laughs> hold on a second. Yeah. Right now, I need I need that number from you. Right now, I'm in the middle of talking with the insurance company. I need that for you. Said, hon, I'm in the middle. I need it now. I can't. I can't help it. Okay, hold on. Hold on a second, sir. Here's the number. Got it? Okay. Hung up. See, she was taking care of some business for me. There's an insurance issue that we had to deal with, and she had no time to wait. But because I'm in covenant with her, she was able to get through. If you would have Facetimed me, I (laughs) would (laughs) have (laughs) said, no offense. offense. Yeah, exactly. No offense. (laughs) It's, I am at a, I'm at a high level of covenant with her. See, so in the same way, God is in a high level covenant with you. When Jesus died on the cross, that was covenant right there. And when you look at from the, the Old Testament through the New, the, the tree in the garden, God said, I want that tree. That's mine. Don't touch it. And he said it with attitude. What about Abel's offering? Abel and Cain, the two brothers, they gave an offering. Abel's uh, offering was better. It, it, the book of Hebrews says it. It was better. It was a quality offering. It came from the heart. It was first-level offering. Cain's was an afterthought. So God accepted Abel's offering and rejected Cain's. Cain got upset. You know, you could read the story yourself. What about Abraham's son? God didn't ask Abraham, you know, for a ram or, or you know, another animal. He said, give me your own son. So Abraham was in covenant with him. That's what you want? Okay, remember, you promised me this son... Out of this son, I will have uh, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and a great multitude. So I'll give them to you, but remember, you're going to have to resurrect them. I mean, he had that level of relationship with Almighty God. And just when he was going to offer him, God said, no, 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 stop. It's all right. Just testing your heart. Why was God testing his heart? God's always testing our hearts. It's because our heart could be drawn away to other stuff. Now, if my heart is drawn and, and, you know, you see me on the train with with another lady... You better come after me, and you better stop me right there. Why? Because you know that I'm in covenant with a beautiful lady named Gwendolyn Nazario, right? But I won't do that only because I'm in covenant. In the same way, God holds our heart accountable. You know, one time, that's right. One time, Jesus said, even if a man thinks of adultery in his heart, he's already committed it. That's the level of accountability God holds us to. We don't think that way nowadays. Yet God's bringing us back to that place. That's the level of relationship. When we're in that level of relationship with God, God will start speaking to us. The Spirit of God will give us wisdom and understanding, strategies. The Spirit of God will partner all that God has for us in this earth realm. What about all the firstborn? The Bible says that God said they belong to me. They're consecrated to me. What about Jericho? When they first came to the promised land, God says, you can have it all. It's all yours, except Jericho. First city, give it to me. Don't take anything from him. That one belongs to me. See, he's always had that attitude. I want something first. Honor the Lord with your first fruits. It never says, honor the Lord with your third fruits. I wonder why. Seek the kingdom of God first. See? And another thing I love about the scripture is the scripture is very specific about different types of offerings. You have the tithe. The tithe is a covenant covenant. Offering. It's when God's people provide for the house of God. God says, whoever gives the tithe, I will release upon him windows being open. I will rebuke the devourer for that person that makes sure that my house is full of food, of ministry. So the tithe is a specific offering that yields a specific res- result in this earth realm. Number two, what about a ministry offering? Uh, Philippians, and, and actually, uh, Paul said this. He says, Paul said, I really don't care about the offering. I care for the fruit that abounds to your account." See, Paul was trying to get something over to the Philippians because he knew that a giving people, God uses as a conduit. He gets his blessing over to them. What about the offering to the poor? In Proverbs 19, 17 says, whoever gives to the poor is lending to the Lord and the Lord will repay. Isn't that interesting? God himself takes responsibility for the offering you give to the poor. So whenever you have a chance to give to the poor, say, Lord, as unto you I give. And God marks it in the heavenlies and says, I got to get that back to you because he takes that personally. Praise God. What about the first fruit? The first fruit, you know, if you, you look, when we bless God with that which belongs first, he puts a blessing on our household when we do that. Right. When we take care of his storehouse, he blesses our storehouse. So I love that about Almighty God. You could never outgive God. And vows. In Job 22, it says when we give a vow unto God, what's a vow? Something that you promise to God. Sometimes we do that. And in Scripture, you saw men who would vow to God. God, if you do this for me, I will then do this for you. He says when we honor the vow, God blesses us. So there are different types of offerings. What about a missions offering? Mark 10, 30. That's called the hundredfold return. So whatever we lose in this lifetime for him, he restores it back to us 100-fold in this lifetime, the Bible says. Wow. So there are offerings that give a 100-fold return in this lifetime. It's not that we're looking to see God as an ATM machine. I'm just saying the generosity of Almighty God, how he is. This is how he sees this because he understands they are sacrifices. But some sacrifices in this earth realm are worth it because they're touching God's heart, they're touching the ones that God loves. So when we sacrifice unto God, believe me, even though people might not see it, Almighty God sees it. So say to your neighbor, don't worry, God is seeing you. God is seeing your sacrifice. Amen. Amen. In Proverbs 3, 9, 10, it says, honor the Lord with all your wealth or with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Notice how when we honor God, God takes care of our business. And then Ezekiel forty four thirty, I love that verse. It says, the best of the first fruits of any kind and any sacrifice of any kind From all your sacrifices shall be the priests. Why the priests? Because the priests were the ones that were in the house of God sharing, uh, sharing the laws of God and and communicating with community. You shall give it to your priests, the first of your ground meal, to cause, what? A blessing to rest upon your house. So what's the significance of this first fruit principle? Number one, we're putting God first. Number two, We must seek the kingdom of God first. And when we do that, what happens is we enter into that covenant. And then there's open heavens for us. Say to your neighbor, open heavens. See, that's very important. That's vital. I want open heavens over my life all the time. See, because the Bible says there is a devourer in the earth realm. There is. But when we have open heavens, God literally shuts down the devourer's ability. The enemy is always coming at you some way, shape, or form to take, you know, to take even right now in this city, um, I, I get so upset, you know, sometimes because of the way the city generates revenue. They call it revenue. I, I call it <laughs> like taking from us just to data. Example, the other day, my son parks in a place where he works. Yes. That last one that you said, you think you 4430. I love it that you're writing it down. Praise God. See, students of the word are the ones that become disciples that learn the word of God. See, Amen. then you go yourself and you read it. You know it's there. Amen. And I love it when you challenge me on that. Amen. Glory to God. So my son, he parks the car in the same place he's always parked it. He comes back, there's a I don't know, twenty dollars $116 ticket. He says, what? I'm, a, I'm up to date. They put a brand new sign, no parking. Wow. Just because. Just because. Yeah. See, how do you learn there's new signs? When you get the ticket. That's how they explain it to you. They won't say, in 20 days, we're going to put a sign. They put the ticket and make buku bucks, and then finally people stop parking there. Right? It's just the way it is. Right in front of the building where I live, we just realized they're going to put a bus stop. Literally in front, on the entrance of where we live. What does that mean? Well, beside pollution, you're absolutely right. What does that mean? That means that when I come home and I... Stop my car right there. Suddenly, there's going to be a sign, no standing. The residents are still going to take their you know, the bags out because it's their home. And, and somebody here is going to come with a blue uniform. You're not supposed to do this. I says, I live right there. All I'm doing is, but you know what they did to me the other day? You can't park it. I said, I'm not parked. I'm taking my bags out to my house. I live right here. I'm dropping off where I live. No, you have to go around the corner. So, hello, This is heavy. You know, well, you're going to have to double park right over there. It says, are you giving me permission to double park? Uh, yes. Okay. So I double parked. During... Don't get it. <laughs> double parking is one of the places where you get the most tickets. Yeah. Like I was saying, yeah. they call it revenue generating. I call it just taking, you know, from the citizenry. This there's, there's different sets of laws. So, you know, one has to be very careful. You know, you're, you're always getting something taken away from you. We have to have, like, eyes all the way around our heads nowadays because it's not easy, especially in our cities. They're, you know, the commercials are beautiful about New York City, but they don't talk about that aspect of it. You know, but anyway, I digress. So, we must seek the kingdom of God first. Uh, and he desires to fill our barns. God desires to bless us to the point where we could be givers. And not only that, but it's a process that activates the blessing over your life. It blows me away that each and every step of my life journey with my wife, we've always been givers, we've always been tithers. In the times when we've had an emergency situation, God has always sovereignly provided people to come to us and suddenly just give us out of the ocean blue. I'm talking about jobs, I'm talking about promotions talking about the, the most unusual situations? People just favor. Yes, favor. I remember one time no, on two separate occasions, I was on in interviews for different jobs, two separate times of my life. And in both cases, the interviewers had a problem. They suddenly just got very nervous and suddenly says, "I don't know why I have to help you, but I have to do this for you." And inside me, I'm saying, "Go ahead, Holy Ghost." I know, that the Lord work? Then, you know, they were prim and proper and dressed well and you know, they were serious. But after a while they were just, I, I don't know why, I have to help you. One guy said it this way, come back Monday before I change my mind and, and you know, I'll start you to work. Meanwhile, we never went through the rest of the process. I had to be vetted by the board of directors. But he just said, come back. And when I came back, he just here, go, start managing. I went, Okay. <laughs> Yeah, and and then I started getting the checks. I said, oh, this thing is real. (laughs) Because until I got paid, I was wondering, is this this real or not? Because it's the weirdest weirdest thing in the world. But this is favor. God gives favor. Praise God. Amen. And then the other reason why these offerings are so important is because He breaks, God breaks, or the the principle itself, and us giving itself, it breaks the spirit of greed and selfishness that's endemic to humanity. God made us to be part of a body. We're not individuals. What's in it for me? You know, what can you do for me? That's, That's what the world thinks, you know. It's all about me, you know. The princes and the princesses, it's all about me. No, It's not. You know, it's about us and God. It's about the body. We belong to a body. When you look at your body, the liver doesn't tell you, excuse me, this week I'm not working, I'm on vacation. It's always there. You can confide in this thing. I appreciate it. I've never seen my liver, but I'm grateful to my liver. (laughs) Me and my liver, we have a great relationship. It's a long-term relationship because, you know, there's a space there and I don't get to see him, but, you know, he does good by me, but I do good by him. Because I eat good, and I make sure I take vitamins, and I do all that good stuff for him. So he's happy. (laughs) We're a body. I'm making a point there. It's important. Because there are diversities, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, 4, 7. There are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries. See, your ministry is different than mine. You're not supposed to look like me. You're not supposed to worship like me. I mean, I appreciated that song, Cruzita. She sung beautifully. I wouldn't be able to sing like her. You know? I, I wouldn't be able to do that. But you know, while she was there, I was doing my own thing. But yet, she can't play bass like me. Just saying. Just saying. We all have our diversities of gifts, right? So we all, so all of us add, all of us. It's the truth. We all add. You see, there is no unimportant ministry. Every ministry is important, Right? But watch this. In verse 6, it says, There are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. God is the one that's working in you. Say to your neighbor, "God's God's working in you. The point is, he is. Scripture says God is working in you. There's an anointing, a gifting, a uniqueness in you that God made you that way. Praise God. And look at verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. See, so you bring profit to the body when you do God's will. When you come into covenant with God, you also come into covenant with His body. Come on, somebody. So because... We are in covenant with each other. I can trust you. I can depend on you. On Sunday, I get on my, my little base there, but in reality, I'm depending on the worship team. I'm depending on Minister Tony to do his stuff. You, know, you guys don't know this, but while I'm there, I'm watching every move he makes. You know, he makes some very interesting moves. He could be like this. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Isn't that true? We should put a video on him and just give it to him one day. (laughs) But but what he's doing is he's communicating to the rest of the body. And I get my cues. He gets his cues. Sometimes he'll do this. Sometimes he'll do this. And and we know what that means. It's unique for us to understand when we stop, when we start. Next Sunday, everybody's going to be watching you. (laughs) Praise God. Amen. So we as the body working together, we bring growth to the whole. And so they, you know, people said, you know, uh, Minister Tony, that was awesome worship, right? Yeah. Some, some of you said that, right? Yes. But it was not just him. What about all the team? Right. They got the same credit he got. Yeah. Yeah. They got the same blessing and the same joy. I got the same joy. When they said that to Tony, I went, like. <laughs> <laughs> I felt the same joy he felt because I was part of the team. Hallelujah. Amen. Tell tell your neighbor we're part of the team. team. (coughs) Praise God. Another is another thing is that he's called us to prosper. This 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 is very important. The word prosper, many people don't understand it. They think it's just a money term. Prosper is an action term, but it's also an energy term. For a person to prosper means there has to be action expended. Wisdom initiated. There has to be a process unfolded. Prosper is are steps taking, uh, taken in a specific way, in a specific funnel that yields specific results. So the body prospers when energy is expended, when faith is shared, when, when activities come together uh, as a single man and things get done. So a prosper has energy behind it. it, it it's, a, it's an empowered term. You know, There's the life of God in that word prosper. And the body is supposed to prosper. It needs to prosper. It's healthy for it to be prospering. We, we, it's important that we prosper as individuals. It's important that we prosper in the call of God of our li- in our lives. It's important that we prosper in the place where he rooted us. Another thing about prosperity and prospering is that we can only prosper in a certain part of our lifetime. We can only prosper in the place where we rooted in. See, an apple seed can only prosper in the ground. If you put it in the street, throw it in the street, it can't prosper. It has to be placed in the right place. You were born at the right time. There's a season in which God initiates in you a a process of sowing, sowing wisdom, sowing understanding. I was talking to one of the young men today. I was telling him, you know, you're in a great place now. You're in high school now. Get as much wisdom and information and training you can get. Because once you reach that adulthood where you're working and providing for your needs, that past training is going to help you to overcome some things you're going to have to deal with as an adult. And God has his body in a place. We have to prosper in this year because this is a year of harvest. I'm going to say it again. This is a year of harvest. God has prepared the hearts of the people. There are people out there right now, they, they are living in fear, they're living in concern, and when you share your testimony with them, and when you share you, the gospel of Jesus Christ with them, they will come in because they're ready. The land is ready. God has already prepared the hearts. So we, as we prosper in God's call, we will call out to those that belong to the kingdom, and they will come in in this season, because God has already prepared their hearts Sometimes you have to work hard. It's because the land isn't ready. Sometimes you want to eat a banana. You go to the store and the banana's green. That's not the time to eat the banana. I guarantee you'll get a stomachache. Unless you have that an iron stomach. Some of you can eat anything and you know, and I just hate you for it, you know? Some of you can just eat anything and oh mm, delicious. Man, I eat that, man. I'm down for three days. But you know, there are times to eat a banana, right? When it's nice and yellow and, you know, it smells nice and sweet and yeah. Nice. But there are times when it's not ready yet. God says, this is the time of harvest. Put the sickle in because they are ready. They're ready to come in. My sons and daughters are ready to come in. So we have to prosper in this season. The word prosper, it means to, to achieve. to, to achieve. It's, it's an enterprise or activity. It's to become strong and flourish. It's also something when you, when you consider to prosper is to cause to succeed. God will cause you to succeed. You don't believe me? He will. Let me show you in a minute. The, The etymology of prosper comes from a word, prosperare, which means to cause, to succeed. So it's not just to do something well. It's a force. There's a force that's behind the act of prospering. God has given us the power to succeed, the wind in our backs to succeed. There is force working on your behalf to cause you to succeed in that which God called you to do. In Proverbs 21:5, it says, "The thoughts of the diligent tend only to plenteousness. So your thoughts can cause you to succeed. They can cause you to come to a generous place in your life. Jeremiah 29:11. "I know the thoughts that I have toward you," says the Lord thoughts of peace and not evil to give you a future and a hope see and so this year God is causing us he's given us that power to succeed that power to prosper the enemy will come at your hope if he can take your hope away you'll be useless a christian that has no hope is a christian that's paralyzed so god comes to give us a hope the enemy comes to take away your hope so if your mind is telling you oh man don't do it don't waste your time it's going to be a... lie God is causing you to prosper in your thoughts and what you are called to do in that thing that's exciting you, motivating you to do it for for Almighty God. God's going to cause you to prosper in this season. Hallelujah. 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 Look at Joseph, Genesis 39, 23. The keeper of prison, of the prison, did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority. Joseph was a prisoner. But yet, God prospered Joseph in the prison, so the keeper of the prison didn't even bother looking at at this great man, Joseph, because he knew he could trust him. But look what it said, Genesis 39, 23, he did not look at anything that was under Joseph's authority, because the Lord was with him, okay? But how was he with him? Look at one of the ways that we saw that he was with him, because the Lord was with him, and whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. Uh, Somebody missed a great moment to say praise God. In Deuteronomy 8.18, it's God that causes us to prosper. He gives us the power to be able to prosper. Obeying God will cause you to prosper. That is the default position of God's will. God doesn't send you out to fail. He doesn't send you out to not be able to accomplish what he called you to do. He calls you to come out there and then he, he gives you the reinforcements, the wisdom, the strategies, the relationships for you to prosper. Deuteronomy 29.9. Therefore, keep the words of this covenant and do them that you may prosper in all that you do. Joshua 1.8. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success psalms 1 3 you shall be like the tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season whose leaf also will not wither and whatever he does shall prosper we are in a season of harvest and god is saying my sons and daughters i've equipped you and now i'm empowering you to prosper this year And what's the prosperity going to look like? People coming back to the Heavenly Father. You speaking and suddenly, oh my God, I didn't know I had this wisdom. And you sharing and suddenly more words come. Amen. The grace to sing. The grace to play. The grace to preach. The grace to teach. It's present in people of God. It is present. It's available so that you may prosper in all that God called you to do. Hallelujah. Psalms 35:27. let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause, David said. And let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Third John 2, and I'm sharing these verses to you so that you could see what the scriptures say about us prospering. Third John two, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in and in, in all things and be in health, just as your soul prospers. So, as our soul prospers, what is our soul? That's us, our will, our intellect, our you know who we are, our uniqueness, our, our sentient being per se. You know, it's, it's us. It's what makes us uniquely us. As that prospers, we prosper on the on, uh, on the inside. So, as you're hearing this word, you're you're sensing something in your spirit, man. You know why? The Spirit of God speaks by God's Word. And so when the Spirit of God speaks into your spirit man, suddenly your spirit man comes alive. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Why do we have to be prosperous? The word prosper contains life. That's important. Wherever we go, we bring life. There's that force behind it. And it's also a mindset, by the way. I was, I was studying something from a psychological perspective, it's interesting because when you have a negative mindset about something, your mind shuts down and you really think this can't happen, and so your mind gives up on it, so you will be unfocused on it, so you won't produce the very thing you'd like to produce because you have a negative mindset. When you have a positive mindset, by the way, something happens, you start seeing possibilities. People with a positive mindset see different ways of accomplishing the very thing that they have in their mind to accomplish. So it is a good thing to be of a positive mind. It is a good thing to see things from a cup half full versus a cup half empty. You understand? So when we are in faith, we are looking, we have a spirit of expectation. We say, God can do this. Yes, he can, right? Right? But but another thing that happens is your mind starts opening up to other opportunities that you didn't see when you were in a negative mindset. So that's another reason why we have to be prosperous because the mindset is connected to a prosperous mindset. When you believe you can do it, even if you're not in the mood, emotionally, if you're not in the mood, and you say to yourself, no, I can do this, and you get up and you take a step and you start going to that thing, your emotion will actually fall in line with that which you're doing. I'm not in the mood. Well, do it anyway. Suddenly, your emotion will catch up. Oh, I guess, you know, the boss is saying I got to get there. So, you're literally, your emotions will change and acclimate to that positive mindset. And nothing more positive than the word of God. Hallelujah. There is wisdom and revelation behind the action of prospering. God desires that his people prosper. Praise God. Especially in this year. This is a year of harvest. The spirit of of God is speaking throughout the world. And all the the prophetic voices are saying the same thing. There is a grace that has been released this year. The enemy has meant to destroy this nation, people. The the enemy has meant to destroy us, to destroy our hopes, to destroy our dreams. God has somehow shifted. And, you know, he's the God of the infinite, so he has ways. The world has been going headlong into destruction. You see it in our own government. They They can't even make a decision. Somehow or another, God is working through all of this insanity and he is doing his will and more people are going to be saved this year in your ministry and through you than ever before. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, why do we have to teach about this? Well, first and foremost is people don't know about this. They really are ignorant about this. Even many Christians are ignorant about these principles. So... in uh, when you look at First Timothy 6, 17 through 19, you see Paul teaching Timothy. And it's interesting because he wasn't teaching against giving. He was teaching Timothy to teach the rich people of their age to be generous. Look at verse 17. Command those that are rich in this present age not to be prideful. Your version might say haughty. That means that's prideful. Nor to trust in uncertain riches, but trust in the living God who gives us all richly, All things to enjoy. And then verse 18 says, Let them do good that they may be rich in good works, willing to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come, that they may lay hold of eternal life. So look what Paul told Timothy. He never challenged the rich man other than to tell the rich man and to teach him, give generously. Give with a good heart. Store for yourself something in the future. You know, that would be of of good import, uh, uh, something that would be important, that would would be gracious in in your lifetime and your legacy. See, what are are the politicians saying today? Oh, you horrible rich people. Yet God says to the rich person, be generous. Don't trust in the riches because they come today, they're gone tomorrow. Interesting, right? And you know what's the most hypocritical thing? Most of those people crying out against the rich people, look at their bank account. Look at their bank account. I'm not talking about Democratic or Republican. All look at their bank accounts, especially the ones that have been in places of leadership for a while. It's the pot calling the kettle the same color. Because they're all the same thing. Because they're looking for the votes. But God loves the rich man like he loves the poor man. He loves the world. And he teaches them, be rich in good works. Another thing that we we get to see about this and reason why we have to share on this. Uh, Look what it says. Um, Actually, let me share this first. God gives us the power to acquire wealth for his purposes. So if you want to be wealthy in this life and you're a Christian, you know because you're in covenant with God that God is going to work through you, that God's going to bless you so you could be a blessing to others. There are some people that have the ministry of giving, and that's, that's in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, chapter 14, whenever it speaks about the body. Some people have gifts of administration. Some people have gifts, uh, you know, uh, five-fold ministry gifts. Some people have gifts of mercy. But there are some that have gifts of giving. And that's an interesting gift, gift of giving. God will speak to you and say, write a $10,000 check for this family. You know, write a, write a $1,000 check and send it to South America or South Africa or, or, or Africa, wherever it may be, uh, f- to that ministry. And the person will say, absolutely, God, thank you, Lord, $1,000. What? Okay, yeah, oh, that 100000 the $100 million contract came through? Beautiful. Uh, put it on my desk, I'll sign it tomorrow. Father, I got more money to be able to share. Amen. Isn't that cool? Wouldn't you want that? Amen. Can God trust you, though? Because yeah. the scripture says, if he can't trust us with the little, right. he can't trust us with the right. I, I think you, you got that. And then the third thing is that there's much hypocrisy and controversy uh, about giving into the kingdom of God. Our society gives blindly to entertainment. Yes. I mean, really. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not a hater. If you are a good basketball player and you help my Knicks win, I don't care what they give you. If they give you $30, $50 million, that's great because you stay with the Knicks. So you can win a couple of games, Right. But wow, thirty to fifty million dollars—that is so cool. I would like a bonus like that one day. Would you like a bonus like that one? Yes. No, not me. That's not godly. <laughs> I know you. You go. I'm here, man. I had attention. That's a good bonus. You could do a lot of things with that. Have you ever said when they they have that three hundred million dollar lotto? Have you ever said to yourself, "Man, how much good would I be able to do?" Huh? Not, none of you are talking, right? Because you've all said it. But the truth of the matter is, most likely it won't happen. It might, it might not happen. See? But the point is, is that in the world, they don't have problems with them talking about big mega bucks. And then they lie to us many times using the very same lotto thing because they give us a false promise and a false hope. So some of us, even in this room, we've, we've invested thousands of dollars in lotto. How much money you got back? A couple of years ago, when you went to South uh, South Jersey, I don't know, all the way south, you know where those hotels are? You go in the hotels, and what you do, right? Atlantic City? City? Oh! (laughs) Right? And we go in there, of course, all we do is walk the aisles and see the machines and say, nah, 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 right? We never put a quarter in there. We never touch those one on Our our hands are pristine. They're pure. Thank God, right? Well, I'll give you an experience that happened to me. You know, I come from a gambling family. I'm serious. My my, my parents were nasty gamblers. I mean, I'm serious gamblers, man. They go every weekend. They they personally funded, I think, a quarter of the bill of Trump's buildings. I mean, really, they just spend money, money. And, you know, looking at it today, if they would have saved that money, they could own their own home, and they could have had a lot of money if they would have invested properly. But they were lied to. Oh, come. You know, those big lights. and You go, oh, You get, Yeah, you become a zombie. You become zombified and... Eight hours pass by, and you don't know why you have a serious pain in this arm for the next three days. I'll tell you why. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, some of you have a problem with the, with the finger. You have a pain here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I well, sorry, a combination of this and this. Forget about it. You're you, you, you walk around next week. So I see some of you like this, I say, oh, you, you were there again, huh? <laughs> the truth of the matter is, we've all been caught up by that lie. We've all been caught up in every single time. If it's only 50 million, we don't play. But if it's 400 million, somehow or another, we think in our head that we have a bigger chance. I don't get it. <laughs> no, frankly, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. Because if you hit that thing, your life is over as you know it. You have to run away because your uncles are going to come at you, your aunts, your nephews, your nieces, your your cousins, three times, yeah, yeah. Your first grade teacher will show up. I mean, serious. You'll be in trouble. You will be in trouble. Most of these people have to run away. They have to leave everything, and of course, everybody hates them for it. But the truth of the matter is this is what happens. So it's better. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, save little by little and you'll have plenty. That's the better way to do it. I would rather be a multi, if I have to be a multimillionaire, I'd rather be an anonymous multimillionaire. And I'll keep on living the same way, keep on driving my same car. You won't see a change in me. You know? I look at my bank account. Okay, Lord, who you want me to give to? And some of you will get gifts you won't even know where it's coming from because it'll be anonymous. Open up a corporation, you know, just bless them so that people won't know. So you could give, but not have people mooching off you. Yeah, because that's what happens. Mm. But see, but again, the world doesn't care about that. But yet, the minute the church speaks about anything, oh, that's all the church wants is money. It's all the church wants. With. Nonsense. Well, I think churches are the least that ask. The ones that ask the most are McDonald's. Politicians. Yeah, yeah. Every, yeah. Listen, every time you turn on your TV program, what do you think a commercial is? That's all they're looking for is your money. How many of you think about commercials that way? I mean, I love the commercials today. They're, they're insane. They no longer make sense. Commercials today have gone crazy. Most of the time, we don't even know what they're advertising. But at the end, they put the name of the thing. It's just to brand it. So it could get branded in your brain. That's what they want. You don't eat burgers anymore. You eat McDonald's. They successfully branded that into our system because they say it over and over and over again. Right? When you talk, we're talking insurance. What type of animal are you thinking of? Why? 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 That's on purpose. You got, you know, you, we have to see that. We have to rise above. <laughs> Praise God. But it's God's will for us to experience increase. In Proverbs thirteen twenty two, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. How can I leave an inheritance to my children's children, which means my grandchildren, if I'm broke? That's just one of these things that we think about it. Oh, That's ungodly to talk about money. Listen, if I have a good retirement,